Kasim is to repeat the last sentence. Kol haneshama Hallelujah. After they finish, they go back to the first. They skip the last two sentences from the first. Shavua Tov, Chodesh Tom Mevorach, to all of you listeners of this great station, station that beams only Dvar Torah, Divrei Musa, Divrei Torerut, Divrei Alakha, and religious music. This is Rabbi Elbach from SLC. I'm going to speak about the parasha we read yesterday. That was Parashat Noah. This parasha discusses two famous generations. Dor HaMabul, that is a generation of the Mabul, where everyone was drowned uh, at the beginning of the parasha, and then at the end of the parasha, we have Dor HaPalaga. That is where everyone, people were dispersed throughout the earth. Now, the generation of the Mabul, Hashem covered the earth with water. And all beings that lived in dry land perished. On the other hand, in Dora Palaga, no one, no one died. What's happening here? Well, Dora Mabul was about 1600 years after the creation of Adam Arishon. And at that time, the earth became highly populated and people's behavior deteriorated more and more to the point where the Torah says, Ki shhit kol ala There was immorality all over. No distinction was made whether a woman was young or old, single or married. Even animals <laughs> did the same thing. But you know what? This was not the straw that broke the camel's back. There was something even worse. Kimalea ha'ares hamas. There was robbery all over. I want you to understand the difference between Gneva and Gezel. Gneva is when someone goes and steals something in secret, you know, he goes at night and he goes into your home or when you're not in the car, somehow he manages to open the door, take something away. That's stealing. That's a thief. Gezel is robbery. Robbery is you are there and he snatches things away from you. He grabs things from you while you're looking. That's what was happening in Dora Mabul. There, were, there was robbery all over. And they were punished. They all died. Now, what happened in the other uh, generation, Dora Mabul, that was about 350 years after Dora Mabul was Dora Palaga. Actually here, the Torah is not very clear but exactly what was happening. We have to look into what Hakamim say, what Midrashim say. Well, what we can understand is that the people became 
quite advanced computer before. They were able to manufacture bricks and they rebuild against Hashem. They wanted to build a tower very, very high. And they will go on top and fight Hashem. You understand? I mean, I mean it, it, it's really very foolish. How could they possibly think that they're going to fight Hashem? But this is what the Rashi brings it in Midrashim. They wanted to make sure that Hashem has no control whatsoever over them. They could be self-sufficient. They're very, very happy by themselves. In this case, strangely enough, even though they were obviously denying the existence of Hashem Hazrat Shalom. Still, there is no punishment, no death punishment. All Hashem did was confuse their language, confuse them. So no one understands the other. <laughs> it would disperse all of them, but no punishment. If someone says that, yeah, give me a hammer, gives him a brick instead. Can I have the cement? Gives him paint, whatever. Misunderstanding, different, he confused the language and they had to scrap the entire project. Let me give you an example. There was a project called the Manhattan Project in the early 1940s. There were about 130,000 people that were working in that project. What the project was? To develop an atomic bomb. Because America was worried that maybe the Germans will build it even before us. Now imagine a project of this type, which at the time cost over $2 billion. And we're talking about 1940s, perhaps as $20 billion today, I don't know. But it's, it's, it's a huge amount. What would happen if there was confusion in the language? A guy is talking less symmetric, the other is talking, uh, uh, you know, foot, feet and, uh, and, and uh, others. You know. What happened if there was confusion between them? The project will never go. It will stop. There has to be complete understanding between the people. Otherwise, the project would just have to be given up. And that's what happened here. But there was no punishment. How do we understand that? I'll tell you what it is. In one case, they were all immoral and robbers and punished. In the others, denied the Hashem altogether, no one dies. I'm going to explain that by citing a passage in Gemara Yerushalmi. It says the following. Rabbi Ababa Kahana said, The generation of David and Melech, they were all righteous people. Because they had informers within them, amongst them. 
spies, people that tell bad things from one to the other. Hayu yotzim b'milchama v'hayu nuflim. They would go to war and many of them would fall, would die in the war. On the other hand, it says, Abal Doroshel Ahab, the generation of King Ahab, who was a Rasha, who was Obed Abu Lazara, and everyone else was Obed Abu Lazara. Aliyadeh because they didn't have informers, they didn't have spies. They were all united as one. They will go to war and they will win. Ahab was a mighty king, very powerful. The nations around him were, were really scared of him. And he expanded somewhat his, uh, his kingdom. So here we see one thing. When there is unity, great. I would win. Dorushel David didn't have unity. They fell. They were falling many times. This is the basic difference between Dora Palaga and Dora Mabul. Look, we see the same thing. The Bnei Israel, when they were in the desert in the Midbar, they violated the law and made two very big sins. One was Egil Azab. The other one was the Meraglim, the spies. In Egil Azab, they actually worshipped foreign god, the Egil. In the case of the Meraglim, there was no such thing. There was no worshipping of foreign god. But they spoke bad, Lashonara. They created divisiveness. No more unity. Friction. And what happened? The Gilazav, not too many, died. In Amraglim, everyone over 20 died in the Midbar. That was the decree. Hashem is saying, if you're going to do things, sin, here and there, as long as you are together, I may forgive my honor. Perhaps you'll come back. When people are fighting together, when you have a robbing in plain view, imagine you're walking in the street. You just bought a nice, beautiful watch, and someone comes, just snatches away from you, and you are powerless. You can do nothing. You walk into your car, someone comes in, throws you out of the car, takes the car, and there's nothing you can do. That's not what the world was built for. Hashem built the world so that people can live together in friendship and brotherhood. And if that's not going to happen, then the world has to be destroyed. There's no, no reason for it to be alive altogether. That's the difference between the two. In, we have to understand something, what was happening in Dora Palaga. Dora Palaga, it says, They spoke all one language. 
They're all united in words. They had one objective and they all followed it. That's the difference. You see, I've seen once in my lifetime, maybe there was more, a few more, where the entire jury in the whole world was united. And you know when? In 1973, during the Yom Kippur War, that was 34 years ago. During that time, they couldn't believe it. Thousands and thousands of young men from here, America, Europe, Australia, from all over, they volunteered to be airlifted to Israel. El Al was working around the clock taking these people there. Not to fight. These young men were not trained to fight. Israel had their own soldiers. But you know what they... These soldiers that they that were fighting the war, <laughs> they were doing something in the economy. <laughs> maybe they were picking fruits. Maybe they were bus drivers. Maybe they were working in generating electricity or, or in telephone company. And if all these guys go, <laughs> who's going to replace them? The economy will just will be paralyzed. So they needed people to replace them in their regular jobs. They volunteered to go, despite the fact there could have been risk. I've seen teenagers all over, even in Manhattan with pushkas, and collecting money for the war case. There was complete unity among the entire jury in the whole world. Everyone was behind Israel. And that was a very risky war. As I remember, Golda Meir, who was the prime minister at the time, she called, uh, at the beginning of the war, she called Kissinger and told him, unless you give us big help here, this may be, God forbid, the third diaspora, meaning, you know, Galut Shlishit Haz Shalom. But HaKadosh Baruch helped. When he had all this unity, Israel eventually prevailed. And that's what we need. This unity, not only unity during wartime, we need unity during peacetime. That's what's going to bring our Shiatsikanu. Sirab Butai, during Dora Mabul, that was not unity was not available there. They were fighting. There was friction. There was quarrels. They were all ashamed. But there was only one man that HaKadosh recognized as being a righteous person. Noah. Noah Ish Sadiq. It's a, the Torah says specifically he was Ish Sadiq. But I want to mention something about that. It's unfortunate, but there's a mahluk at Hachamim. Was he... Righteous, really righteous? Or was he righteous only in his generation? Because everybody was so corrupt, so he was a Sadiq. Had he been in the generation of Avraham Avinu, maybe he would not have been much of a Sadiq. On the other hand, there's another rabbi that said, wait a minute, 
even among corrupt people, he was a tzaddik. Had he been in the generation of Abraham Avinu, maybe he would have learned much from Abraham, would have been much bigger. Anyway, this is the Mahlukat. But why is it that there is a rabbi that says that maybe, you know, he was not really such a great tzaddik? Why? Because it says later on that Noah came into the, the Teva, Mipene Me Hamabul. Meaning, Rashi brings it, he said, he was Miktane Amana. Noah was Miktane Amana. He believed, but not a thousand percent. So, he was told to go into the Teva a certain day. No, he waited. He waited until the water started accumulating. When it got to his ankles, so then he said, oh, looks like it's true now. There's going to be a real Mabul. Then he went in. Now, this is what's puzzling one of the rabbis. But perhaps we can explain that differently. Maybe, maybe. Let's say uh, that he waited longer, not because of he had uh, uh, less of 100% emunah, maybe a different reason. Like what? You see, there is such a thing that I think the Rambam mentions it. When a Kadosh Baruch Hu makes a gezerah, if it is a good gezerah, it will happen no matter what. It will not be taken back. But if it's gezerah ra'ah, an evil decree, then there is a possibility when Hashem will take it back if the people make Teshuvah. And we see this where? In Nineveh. Yuna, a Navi, was told to go to Nineveh, told them that it's going to be destroyed in 40 days. He went, did, and what happened? All made Teshuvah, and there was no destruction. So it's possible that Kadosh Baruch Hu can take some, an evil decree he might take back. So perhaps Noah, the reason why he stayed longer, maybe he figured, oh, this is an evil decree. So maybe people will make the shuvah, and Akel Shuvah will take it back. Can we, can we at least judge him that way? The answer is, really, we cannot think of it that way. And the reason is, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives a specific command, you don't try to figure out maybe there's another way. Hashem told him exact day when he would go in. He should have gone there. The minute he sees sunrise, go. He didn't do that. Maybe even the night before, to make sure. Abraham Avinu, when he was told to take his son to slaughter, he didn't ask Hashem, why? After all, he told me, Kimi Yitzchak, he told me, oh my, this son is going to be from Yitzchak. No questions asked. He went ahead. If this was a real tzaddik, and he had 100% emunah, 
You shouldn't be thinking about maybe this, maybe that. That's not the way to do it. The belief has to be without any hesitation. I heard once a, a short little story about this town. They had like about half a dozen Batiknesiyot. And there was a drought. And the drought kept on for a while. Each bit Knesset, they had, you know, they made their own prayers for Tani, you know, like Taniot prayers, and pray to Hashem, each synagogue. Well, maybe, maybe there will be some, uh, some rain. But it didn't happen. So he decided they're going to have all the synagogues, all the people from the synagogue come together. You know, maybe if they all come together, maybe something will happen. But there wasn't one synagogue that was big enough to house all of them. So they selected a certain an open field where they all gathered over there. And, of course, the rabbis were there to start the prayers. So they invited the, uh, the elder rabbi to come and start the prayer. He goes up. He looks around from right to left and left to right. And he goes right back down. What do you mean? How, how come he not the prayer? I said, these people don't believe there's going to be any rain at all. I haven't seen one of them with an umbrella. Not one with a raincoat. They don't believe. Ah, it's not going to happen. There is no 100% belief there. The emunah has to be 100%. We all know that. A person who has 95% emunah is not emunah. <laughs> if he's, even, if he, he's doubting even one yud in the Torah, that's not emunah. It has to be 100%. So this is one lesson, two lessons we learn here. One, we must have unity between us. Two, we have to have 100% emunah. This is what the Mashiach is waiting for. He's waiting for that. We're waiting for him, sure, but he's also waiting for something. He wants to see us together as one nation, with one thinking, with one 100% Imran in Hashem, that we're able, then we'll be able to do the mitzvot. When we attain that level, I guarantee you, the Mashiach will be here. I uh, want to remind you about this great station. Please, if you can help, try to contribute. And if you need any simha, look us up. We have a beautiful hall. Any simha, I'm sure we can accommodate you. Shalom Aleichem. Chodesh Tov Mevorah.